Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome in to this special edition of the Intentional Encourager podcast, the People Buy from People series. I'm your host, Brian Sexton, and I have a unbelievable friend of mine that is one of the endorsers of this book. She is the president of Nobility Consulting, and you can find her on LinkedIn at Lori Knutson, K-N-U-D-S-E-N. Now, the first time I had her on the Intentional Encourager podcast, I completely butchered the spelling <laughs> of her name, and I had to go back and, and, and do a big mea culpa, but this book would not be the same without her. It, behind the scenes, she is an intentional encourager. There were times that she would text and say, hey, I'm encouraging you, and, and that is so, so key when you're doing a project like this, but this book wouldn't have been the same without her. And it is an honor to have Lori Knutson, my dear friend, Lori Knutson here on this special edition of the intentional encourager podcast, the people buy from people series. Lori, how are you today? I'm fantastic. How could I not be after that introduction? I'm just like, okay, I'm done for the day. <laughs> Every time I see you and we get together, it's, it's just, it, it's like a warm blanket around me. I mean, it's just, it's, you are that you have such impact on people like that. And, and, and I've said it to you privately. So now I'm going to say it to you publicly. You are a rock star. You, you have such a way of making people feel important. And, and I want to start there in our conversation. You had a, a lot of years in sales. So a lot of these principles resonated with you. And we talked mm -hmm. about that before I was writing and I asked you to be a part of the book and you and I have had a bunch of conversations about your sales career and things like that. And we talked about it when you were on the intentional encourager podcast before I asked you to cover meekness because to me, that's what you are the embodiment, the embodying of on LinkedIn. Every post that I see from you is is always just trying to help somebody and lift somebody and, and 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 encourage somebody, and it's inspiring. It really is. When when you think about your transformation, making that move from your strong sales career to now being focused on your business and truly helping people understand their strengths and things like that, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the word meekness? I mean, I, I think I told you offline with, that originally when I heard, you know, first heard the word meekness and you wanted me to review this chapter, you know, when I was going back, when I read it, then it, it's a different context, but I would think of it as weakness. And you do a really good job of, uh, of explaining that throughout this chapter and really how it's uh, a strength. Uh, you know, I never considered myself meek, but yet I think one of the things I've learned, and I do say learned, it's coming through maturity and emotional intelligence and working with clients and, and customers in the field, sales, is really, you know, taking a step back and, and doing what's best for them, being an advocate. And when I was transitioning from sales to you know, being a solopreneur, something that I didn't 
you know, necessarily planned, but it became, you know, when I decided to take this route, this was the means and the way that I was able to do it. And it, it was a transition, you know, it was difficult for me and, um, you know, there weren't the accolades, there wasn't the recognition, you know, it was all like the motivation really has to come from within. And I think that that's where really fo focusing on my core values and, and principles of what matters to me and, you know, this is a long-winded answer to what meekness means, but I think, you know, for me, it's just, it really is solidified every time I work with a client, help a client, have a conversation with someone, I know I'm on the right path. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. And, you know, maybe I haven't even arrived at my final destination yet, but this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing well and, and and i'm jotting some notes down because you just you you said a lot of really good things there <laughs> and, and and where i want to go is in sales or in leadership a lot of times people will strive for the recognition the accolades the what's in it for me um the bonus the the things like that all the different things that equate to value, tangible value. Mm -hmm. But I love what you said there a minute ago about the motivation for you being from within and focusing on your core values and your core strengths. And then, and then when working with your clients, getting them to realize and understand what their core strengths and values and principles are. Take me through the transition you mentioned the transition from sales to being a solopreneur. What was the biggest obstacle point that you had to overcome within yourself to make that transition smoothly? Because again, and, and this is a long-winded question, so don't feel bad about a long-winded answer. The, well, you know I can give a long-winded answer, so. <laughs> I love it. No, I love no, I love it because there's always a lot of wisdom there, Lori. And again, I think that that people real, you know, when, when they make a transition like you did, and we talked about this before we started recording, the difference between a front-facing person, and that's why I wrote the chapter was to get front-facing people to understand whether, again, whether in leadership or ministry or, you know, the dominant spouse in a marriage or or something like that, is that when you're a front-facing person, I've been a front-facing person. It's hard sometimes to step back and be humbly docile. Take me through that transition that you had to make in your own life, going from that front-facing person to going, I'm going to help people get better in their own lives. Yeah, that is a big one. Uh, you know, truly the biggest obstacle was me, my mindset, and really just believing in myself and, 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 um, you know, like even when I worked in sales before I was familiar with the term servant leadership, I always talked about being an advocate for my clients, for my customers, because I felt like I was there in service of them. And I also did sales training 
And originally when I was downsized the last time I envisioned, you know, transitioning over to a training role, I'd never really thought about working one-on-one. Then I met Kristen Sherry, who in fact was my coach and throughout a lot of conversations and things that transpired, I was like, you know what? I I think that this is really the direction I want to go. And it took me a while to really narrow down who specifically I wanted to help. And I know that this was a conversation I had multiple times with Kristen because you, you want to help everybody, you know, and you can't, you can, you can help everybody a little, but it's, it's hard. And so a lot of my first year or two was really hit or miss. I mean, I just was really kind of feeling it out and I guess growing into the position, figuring out what lights up, where I'm most excited and really where and who I can impact the most. And, you know, that's where I've arrived at, you know, working with high school students, college students. And then I I still do work with adults in transition. I actually get a lot of, I don't advertise or, I mean, I don't know that I advertise, but you know what I mean? I I don't post about that as much, but yet I get a lot of referrals for that. And so if they're a good fit, then yes, I work with them. If not, I refer them to one of the many other coaches that I know that are phenomenal. And then of course, uh, you know, corporate workshops, although since COVID, I really haven't done a lot of team building, but they all kind of still feed that, you know, my, my top values are love and connection to others. That's family and friends. You know, I, I've got relating strengths. I want, I, I feed off of people in that conversation and that dynamic. And then making a difference. A lot of people, I, you know, I don't think anybody says, oh, I don't want to make a difference. But for me, having one of my top strengths be responsibility, I feel kind of almost psychologically bound to it. Mm. You know, what I say I'm going to do to my detriment sometimes. Uh, <laughs> so it's, you know, because I've had to learn to kind of say, you know, good is good enough. You know, like there's, there's a point where, especially with coaching, you're there as the guide, you know, like the outcome is ultimately on the client and the customer. You, you can give them the tools, you can give them the information, but what they do with that is out of your hands. That was one of the hardest things to learn and just kind of have to step back. You know, it's, it's like, kids like you can talk to them and have conversations and you hope that they do the right thing but ultimately they're going to do it and you just have to be there to support them or help them (laughs) through whatever it is and uh and and guide them and it's it's the same way so i mean it's really just been a kind of an evolution of lori and figuring out who i am as a coach who i want to work with and uh you know, really now, I think COVID was, you know, in some ways, it gave me the time to really dig deep and reflect and think about that, that I may not have otherwise had. Not that I would like to do that over, but I mean, trying to find the positive in everything, I think that uh, I'm grateful for that time to really, you know, reflect and be confident 
in my direction. No, that's good. Let's step aside, take a quick break. When we come back, I want to park on something you said there a minute ago in regards to meekness and in the difference in working with high school and college students versus adults. And there's a word we're going to, we're going to use. That's a word in meekness. That is a vast difference. Sometimes there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences as well. Come back with us. My good friend, Lori Knudsen joins me today talking about meekness on this special edition of the intentional encourager podcast, the people buy from people series back in a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Lori, you were talking about working with high school kids and college students and then working, still working with some adults. Mm -hmm. and, and there is, so the first thing I'll say is this, you look, you know, to, to deal with people like that on a daily basis, you have kept yourself much better than I have. I have to use product on my beard. So the gray will not come out. <laughs> there's a, there's flecks of gray in my hair. I have a 20 year old junior at Marshall university and it's like, Ah, this may be the death of me beforehand. You know, I may not get to grandkids and here you are looking stunning and fabulous. And, and I know you have teenagers and young adults of your own, cause we've had those conversations, but here's where I want to go. Okay. Beyond your beauty secrets. And then, then maybe, you know, beyond that, uh, I'll give you the name of my hairstylist. Hey, yeah. Well, <laughs> if they can do something with this right here. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, and I go to a stylist and this is the best that, you know, this is, this is hey, all she's got. To there's work no with. shame, no, no shame in hair color. I don't, I don't. I, a, amen, sister. Pre <laughs> yes, that's right. But there is a difference. Here's what I've noticed about my, my young adult son and adults. And, it, and it's one definition of meekness. And that is meek one, one definition. And it was an eye opener for me. It was humbly patient. Mm -hmm. My my son is not patient. <laughs> and, it, and I think it's our generation of having everything instantaneously at their fingertips. And, and them talking about, you know, my son, when he buys a video game, he immediately wants to conquer that thing within the first night. <laughs> and so, and, and so, yeah, it's in, and it is a, I don't know if it's a, uh, a generational thing, if it is a, um, if it's something that, that, that their, their world 
brings to them and says, you need to be really good, really quick. When you work with high school students and college students, how do you explain the value of patience to them and how it works in their life as a strength? Is that kind of a, am I answering the, am I asking the question, right? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to think because it's, you know, it's different each time, honestly, because it, it depends on their personality. I mean, you're, you're right that I think, because of technology and the world that we live in, everything is instant, right? We just have access to everything. I mean, we can Google, we can, you know, look anything up and we can send messages and everything is instantaneous. Whereas picking a career path, interviewing for a job, you know, all the things that you're doing or even in college and working for, there's there's not shortcuts. There's shortcuts or better ways to learn how to study. There's, you know, shortcuts in ways to create templates for, you know, thank you notes or, you know, cover letters or, or whatever that, you know, the case might be. But they're really, you can't, you can't get around that. And you just... You have to do it. I mean, I, I can remember even, you know, not that long ago, you know, the first time I was downsized and I was like, you mean I've got to change my resume for each job I apply for, you know, to match like, you know, like not like you're changing and putting things on there that aren't true, but, you know, if they're wording, you know, if you're a territory manager and they're asking for a sales specialist or yeah. whatever. You know, you, you want to customize and you, you basically roll map each line item. And, you know, when I talk about things like that with particularly with college students, when they're interviewing for internships or interviewing for roles after graduation, uh, they, they do get frustrated. And I'm like, but you know, here's the beauty of that. You, if you start doing this now, you're miles ahead of a lot of the adults out there. I mean, it's all about standing out and making an impression. You know, it's just getting them to remember you. And how do you do that? I mean, it's obviously your skills and what you've learned, but especially for a college student, I mean, they don't, they might have an internship, but they don't have a lot of experience. So really connecting their lessons learned and things like patience. I mean, employers hear that and they're like, wow, because that really speaks to emotional intelligence. And I, I want to, I've got to, I've got to jump in here. You, you, you are, <laughs> no, you are, you are really digging deep on a couple of things that are just really important about the power of meekness. And, and I didn't realize it until I was doing research on that chapter because the reason I wanted to write that chapter, Lori, was because I wanted to, to, you know, when I was writing people buy from people, it was, it was starting out to be a sales book. And, and I was, I began to think of the, the people that I've worked with and sold against that I, I just thought were arrogant. They yeah. were just like, oh my goodness. And I thought those times that I have, that I have stepped back and put myself in the background 
was the times that I stood out the most to my customers. When I let them take the lead and I stepped back and walked beside them and not, and I hear so many people say you have to lead a customer to a buying decision. You have to lead this person and especially in leadership. Mm-hmm. And and I say to them, if you're leading, you're pull you're you're pulling rather than walking alongside. And 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 I don't know anyone that if they don't want to move or are going to let anyone pull them in a certain direction. Like like if 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 I plant my feet. And I stay still. It doesn't matter if somebody is pulling my arm to move me forward. I'm not going anywhere. But if we're walking side by side and we're walking arm in arm, we're walking in the same direction. And that's why I wrote the chapter. You said something, and I I wrote this down, and I've never heard it said this way, and it's beautiful. Patience depends on personality. I've never heard that. And it's brilliant, and I knew it would be brilliant because you said it. I knew it would be brilliant. Why do you think young people and young adults and most people that you work with, why don't they tap into more of that patience part of their personality and really hone that in and work on that as a skill? Or is it something that can be taught? I mean, I know life teaches us patience, but what do you see? I mean, that's, it's, it's hard because, you know, again, I don't think it's something like you said, that's, that's really discussed much. You know, we, we talk about, you know, patients being a virtue and, you know, just practicing that. But then we're also hearing these messages, like, if you want something, you got to make it happen. And I do believe that. I do believe that, you know, we, we shouldn't depend on someone else, uh, paving our own career path, because if we don't have a vision for it, someone else, we're going to be living and working someone else's vision of what that is. But with, with personality and strengths, I mean, there's some people, like if you have someone that's strong and has activator and their top strength, they're the, the kind of the joke or the saying is instead of ready, aim, fire, they're, you know, ready, fire, aim. You know, they're just ready to go. Like whatever idea it is, they just they just want to go. They want to start it. They want to do it. But then they need to partner with someone who's, you know, more deliberative or responsible that is going to see that project through because they're great at yeah. getting going, great at getting teams going. And it's not a bad strength. I mean, like every strength kind of has what we call a shadow side where either how it can be perceived by others or when we overuse it ourselves, that when we have that awareness, it makes a big difference. So like someone that has activator, for example, knowing that they're ready to pull the trigger, it's like, okay, let's hit the pause button. Let's think about this. You know, like, do I have everything I need? Well, Lori, you make a great point there. The activator a lot of times is that person is just so dominant in their thinking. They're like, I, I am not letting anything get in my way. I, I'm not going to, you know, patience is not a virtue. I should have done, this should have been done five minutes ago, or it should have been done yesterday. 
and and you know it it's that it's that mo it's that mode of I'm plowing through and you're either with me or you're against me. And a lot of times people that exhibit weakness or meekness as a strength, I should say, and, and not a weakness, but meekness as a strength, people that have the activator strength a lot of times will look at them and say, you're in my way. You're stopping me from doing what I want to do instead of trying to, to your point, call on them because maybe that person that's that is humbly patient has surveyed the landscape and goes but you're gonna have a problem right over here mm -hmm. if you do what you're gonna do you're gonna have a problem and it's gonna be right over here and it's it could be it could be a fatal problem like this mm -hmm. could be devastating you really need to watch that and I love what you said about the the you know what our society, comes at people with is like grow your network grow your platform grow this side hustle do this do that i think a lot of times what i admire about meek people is they have the patience to sit back and let the dust clear right and just move mm -hmm. I, I look go take that if you will i want you to talk about having the patience to let the dust settle because i know at times in your life you've had to sit in those moments where you kind of had to let the dust settle and mm -hmm. then go and make decisions about what's best. And you mentioned working with Kristen. We love Kristen. She is amazing. She is absolutely the best. But when you let's go there for just a quick second, when you were having to let the dust settle transitioning and deciding mm -hmm. to, to be a solopreneur, what was, what did you learn from sitting back and letting the dust settle? You know, I'm historically, I'm not a very patient person. I mean, like 20 year old me was like instant. It's like get mad or upset. The good thing is I get over it quickly. It's like, you know, I don't hold it in, which is healthier, but it's, I just, I'm not like, I've learned to be a more patient person. And because I am not just by my natural personality and tendencies. It's something that I've worked really hard on. And, and that's been the hardest thing is I think when you, and, and I've second guessed myself, honestly. I mean, I think everybody does, but I, when I, you know, I keep going back to, okay, should I keep doing this? Am I on the, you know, like, I know I enjoy it, but you know, does it make sense? Should I, you know, be doing something else? But, you know, rather than continuing to work on building, you know, my business and, and working with others. And I just know that it's one of those things where when you have a plan or a process, if it's solid, then you continue to work that plan and process. And that's something that over this, you know, year, especially, but even like part of last year, I started working with our friend David Massover and, you know, going back to the fact that, you know, he asked me a question about my sales process and I was like, oh yeah, I got a process. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know how those questions went, right? Yeah. It's really thinking about, you know, 
how, you know, you're guiding that customer. And I mean, I think it is really because, you know, if you've read um, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller, and uh, which I had kind of sort of read it, I didn't like read it. I have now read it thoroughly because David commanded me to do so. But you're, you know, the, the customer is the hero and you're the guide walking them through that journey. And that's always been my philosophy, but really getting granular and thinking about those steps to make sure has required a lot of patience, a lot. I mean, it just, and it's still like, you know, it was a lot of back and forth. And I was just like, oh, come on. Is it not right yet? <laughs> you know, like, please just give me something, you know, tell me, tell me it's, uh, you know, I felt like when I was pregnant and I never dilated at every checkup and I'm like, just lie to me. I don't care. Just tell me I'm dilated, like, you know, one centimeter or something. Well, and, and I want to, <laughs> and, and I mentioned that. Yeah. I'm walking through that with my dear, sweet wife when we had our, our <laughs> child, let's step aside and take a break real quick, because I want to, I want to park on that for just a minute there, there, you hit on something again, Lori, you're just dropping wisdom here this morning. And I, I'm so appreciative. Let's step aside, take a break. We'll be back in just a moment on this special edition of the intentional encourage podcast, the people buy from people series with Lori Knutson back in a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up. Kindle, if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of People Buy From People. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. You hit on something really good there. And that is when I was walking through, and, and I, I don't know that I talked about it in the book much. I don't know when I'll really get into detail, but when I was walking through a job loss, and that's when I met Kristen, I had to, I wanted to be working. I wanted to be, and, and somebody may be listening to this today that we're recording when it comes out that that is in that same boat like i want to be back to work i want things to be back to normal i want because i fought through that myself i just i longed for normalcy mm -hmm. i crave normalcy 
And you mentioned when you were having one of your children, I was, I was praying one morning and I was reminded of the fact that my, you know, the, the night we found out we were, we were, that she was pregnant with our son was awesome. And from that minute on, we, we loved him and every ultrasound and we were excited. Like we can't wait till he gets here. But if we had said the minute she got pregnant, okay, send him now. We're ready. Send him now. <laughs> There's not that time for him to develop and grow and all the things that have to happen inside of a woman's body for that baby to develop in the way that that baby needs to develop so that they're healthy when they're born. And that doesn't ensure that children, I mean, I, I, I you know, our challenge, my son was born five weeks prematurely and, and he's dealt with asthma issues throughout his life. But again, he wasn't born at 24 weeks or he wasn't born at, at 28 weeks. And, and again, there are success stories. I'm not trying to get long winded with this discussion, but mm-hmm. had we tried to short circuit the process and not let it happen, it wouldn't have happened the way it did. And I think a lot of people, Lori, and I love what you said. You were like, just let this happen. Let this happen. Come on, let this happen. We all find ourselves there and we don't realize that in life, everything is a process. And it's and it's about, and I love the way you took us and led us in that direction. What was the biggest thing you had to learn about your process through, through COVID and through this, through working with the coaches that you've worked with? Uh, that people don't care about my stuff. You know, they don't care. They, they, they want to know that I know my stuff, but they care about the outcome, you know, everything. And this is what I talk about with people when they're interviewing, it's, Everything's about the employer and what's in it for them. And the same thing with the the client is everything is about them. And while I, you know, believe that, it's still hard when we're trying to create content and post. We still, well, I say we, I still would default to talking too much about my process or whatever, because I thought it was important. I'm like, no one cares. I mean, I have over explainer-itis and it's, you know, it's, it's real. But and- you know what, people that, <laughs> that spend any time with you, this is what I love about you. Anybody that spends any time with you can't help but just, you are just such a warm person. You're one of the warmest people I know because you always make everybody feel good about themselves. And that's what meek people do is they defer to the other person and they understand that it's about making other people feel warm and feel good and, and good grief, Lori. If we have ever needed people like yourself in the midst of this pandemic, we need them now more than ever because We've got too many front-facing people, and I don't want to and, – and please, if you're listening to this, you're going, I'm a front-facing person. I am too. <laughs> I am too, and Lori, too. And, Lori and Lori is too. <laughs> yeah. But what I love about my friendship with Lori is she understands how to make people feel good about themselves. 
And, and I think that, and, and that's why I wanted you to do this chapter because you, you, when I think of the people that endorse this book, you immediately just, it was a no brainer. Like that's her. Why do you think we as a society have lost the ability to make other people feel better about themselves? I think it, you know, I, I had this conversation with someone last year with, you know, all the political strife and things that were going on, mask, no mask, you know, election. There was just so much negativity. And I think it's really easy, and especially now more than ever with quarantine, where people are just at their keyboards. And I think it's really easy to lash out, to pass judgment. You know, I see it even like in um, parent boards that I'm on on Facebook where, you know, somebody will ask a question and then, you know, people are just like, just go after them. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe they are wrong, but, you know, seek to understand and do you, does that work? Like when you attack someone, their first defense is going to be to pull back and, either fight back or tune you out. And I, I, as far as the kindness, I mean, kindness is a value of mine. And I think it, it, it comes from working. I mean, I, I've always valued it, but I think especially having worked in a toxic business environment where it was not practice, where uh, it just mentally and physically took a toll I mean, it's at my forefront and I, I, I know how much words matter to me when someone says something kind, when someone does something to lift me up or empower me that they don't, they don't have to say, they don't have to do. And, you know, honestly, I'm not as good at, at it as I would like to be. I mean, there's, there's, Tons of people I owe recommendations to. I completely suck at that. I, you know, there's just like this long list, but it's, uh, it's something that I, I, I try to do as much as possible when my ADD doesn't get in the way. And I, that's and why I, you and I are such good friends <laughs> because our ADDs are a lot alike. It's, it's, I, it's scary, you know, <laughs> but I don't want to like blame it and say it's okay. Cause I think, you know, I'm not using that as an excuse, but it, it does like, you know, I'm like squirrel, whatever. And it's like, my, my mom said that to my wife was telling me last night, you'll get a kick out of this. My wife was telling me <laughs> last night, that she talked to my mom and, and we're trying to make plans to, to get together. My mom lives a couple hours away and we're trying to make plans to get together. And she's telling my mom about my son and his study habits. And, and my mom said, you realize that my son, your husband and my grandson, your son, get that from me. And I, I am like that. I'm like, you know, I've got to put my phone, like when I'm recording podcasts, I've got to put my phone aside because even when, when you're talking, if I, if, if it lights up, I'm like, who is it? Who is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And that's why you, that's why I you know. and I are such good friends. <laughs> but you, you said something there that I love and, and, and I want to, I want to go here for just a, a few minutes. I think meek people are the antidote 
to toxic work environments. Meek people had the ability to really understand what they, and you just said it, you said, you know, people don't have to be kind, but they are. People don't have to be encouraging, but they are. And you saw that even in the midst of that environment. I think if you have encouragers, you have meek people that, that are just, they're, they're humbly docile. You, you don't know they're there. But when they make an impact, they are the antidote to a toxic in, environment because they'll sit back and let everything happen. And then at that particular moment, because of their patience as a strength, they will just go, hey, I, I want to share with you a kind word. or Hey, I, I've got a piece of cake. Would you like to share a piece of cake? And in your smile, if you're watching on YouTube, you're Lori smiling because it, it's it's a hundred. That to me, that's the antidote of a toxic environment. How did you? How were you able to overcome with your strengths that toxic environment and free yourself and go? You know what? I, I'm out of here because it doesn't align with my values and who I am as a person. You know, I've learned a lot since then because, you know, I didn't always handle every situation well, you know, that, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but that was like my whole entire division was downsized. And so, you know, the situation luckily in, in this case ended for me and, uh, I, you know, it was just interesting to see some of my coworkers. I had one of my very good friends that got married and we got together and to see everyone like a year later and how much healthier and happier. And just, it was like this weight, you know, like we all acknowledge just how much it had impacted us. And when I went into other roles, you know, there, there was just, you know, like I, I worked a contract position and, you know, people were complaining about this and complaining about that. And I was like, you know, what? I'm not thrilled with this either. We're kind of thrown to the wolves. We're like the ugly, you know, stepchild kind of thrown cast aside. But I said, relatively speaking, this is pretty good compared to this. It's like, we just need to have some perspective. And the bottom line is, this is what we have to work with. So, you know, we can either do it or not. And I mean, I wanna have fun. Fun is one of my values too. I know people probably get tired of me of like, oh my gosh, she always goes through all our values, but it just, it really is. And people- I love it because again, it, it, <laughs> no, it, listen, I think we all should do a value exercise. I think we all should understand ourselves mm -hmm. and what, what makes us us, what makes us who we are. Because if you don't know what you, if you don't know what your values are, and I've said this a ton of times, and, and I, I've, I probably have said it to you. There's a vast difference between value and appreciation. Mm -hmm. It's those, you know, it's those things that you hold dear. You know, why do you think people lock up jewelry in safe deposit boxes or fire boxes in their house? They don't want anything to happen to it. Mm -hmm. You don't lock up your, you know, I'm not locking up my hoodies. 
Okay, I'm not locking. <laughs> up, I'm not locking up my joggers. Or, Maybe your or, favorite one. I mean, well, you know, but, <laughs> but, what I'm, but Lori, the these these things can be replaced. Exactly, they can be replaced, and you know, you you the valuables are valuables because they're they're extremely difficult, if not impossible, to replace, and so. I love what you said about tapping into your values and constantly just trying to find out. And, and it should be, I would go a step further. I think you should do it maybe once a year and see what, what, what has changed about you because situations, and I don't mean to give a long winded thing here, mm -hmm. but situations can change how you feel. If people have, you know, people that have lost loved ones to COVID-19, mm -hmm. people have lost jobs. Sure. I mean, that can negatively impact you and it can change the person that you are and it can change your values overnight, especially if you don't handle it well. I mean, grief is a powerful emotion as it is, but I've got to go here with you for just a quick second. Take me through what you've learned this last year about your values? I mean, I just, I keep going back to them. I mean, it's, it's always at the forefront. You know, like I said, when I was, you know, like, gosh, should I just go back to, you know, a corporate job or a sales job or, you know, give this up and, you know, I'm like, am I having fun? Am I making a difference? You know, do I have autonomy, which is also a value, trust, kindness. I mean, all recognition. I mean, actually, recognition is a value of mine. And which is funny because, whoops, my earbud's falling out. <laughs> yep, that, that wasn't only in rehearsal. That, o that only happens to me. That only happens where I'm fidgeting with my ears. I was like, like I didn't that. have it in all the way, I guess. But anyways, it, uh, I think, you know, those are, and I, again, it kind of is, like you said, things do change and evolve. I think our core values pretty much are constant, just like our strengths. Strengths can even change if you've had a major life shift or a major role change. I like to think of strengths as the ones that we need most can come forward. So like when I moved from full-time sales to coaching, three of my top five dropped my top 10, which was surprising because it was like, you know, wasn't even that far apart, you know, time-wise when I'd taken them. But it was like, the ones that maybe like the other ones were still there. It wasn't like they went away because our strengths stay fairly stable. But I, I talked to this a lot with students because, you know, of course, having to think about your values as a, as a teenager or even a college student, I said, you know, this is, this is just something for you, you know, like we don't define them and we do that purposely because what each thing means is relative to you, but you should really give thought to what you need in your life and what you want in a role. And you may not get all of those, but when you rank them, you have to look at what your deal makers and your deal breakers are. And if you're 
interviewing and all of a sudden, you know, ding, 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 like red flag is going off, that that's a deal breaker. It's not going to be a good fit, even if the salary and it's the dream job, because when our values are not honored, we are never going to be happy and fulfilled in that role. And with teens, especially, you know, their values can shift, you know, and I, I do talk about this too. Like I said, if you, you know, have a partner, you have children, what, you know, you, stability might be more of an issue or, you know, financial, um, you know, freedom, all these things, depending on how they define them, those factors might become more important. But, I, you know, I worked with one student whose parents are divorced. Stability was really important for him. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, want, even though he's, both parents are very involved and he doesn't feel unloved or anything. It's just that he really values that as a constant in his life. And so I think it's, it's a really good exercise and where it may not be like the number one thing, like it is for adults where, okay, we really got to make sure we, we align with these values. I think it's really valuable. And it also is good for looking at the people that they hang out with and associate with, who they have relationships with. I mean, if someone you're involved with romantically for, you know, as a partner is not honoring your values, if they don't respect that, I mean, you're not going to change them. Although, you know, when I was younger, I thought I could change everybody. And that's a whole nother podcast, right? So, you know. <laughs> You've been talking to my wife, haven't you? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, no, I've, I've learned you can't, you can't change someone unless they want to change. But I think when we're younger, uh, we have rose colored glasses and we think that if we, you know, we like someone or love someone, you know, whatever it is, but ultimately that's, that's the other person's responsibility. I love that the rose colored glasses we wear as, as young people. And, and, and we do, we really do. And a lot of times, Lori, we just decide that, you know, that's going to be how things are in life. You know, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to take those, those things. We could go for hours, but I, what you just said there was so good and there's nothing I could add to it. <laughs> I want you, if you don't mind in, in, in true intentional encourager podcast form, you know, leave, leave folks with, with a piece of intentional encouragement around meekness or whatever is on your mind, whatever's on your heart, just, you know, encourage somebody this morning as all, you are, you are, you're gifted at it. I'm telling you, leave, leave the folks with some intentional encouragement. Everybody has their own unique gifts. And, you know, when I think of strengths, gifts that go and wrap, hold us back from achieving our true potential. So discover those gifts. Even if you don't do a strengths assessment, ask, ask a bunch of people that know you well, what are the things that you do really well? What, what, uh, you know, what things really stand out to them and make sure they're not a skill, make sure they're a strength because a lot of times we do confuse those. 
And I think that that's where we, we discount those because we do them naturally, but we don't think they're special. And when you really embrace that, it's, it's really powerful and it's empowering. And I just think we all deserve to feel special, you know, to, you know, like uniqueness used to be like you were odd or weird. And now it's like, you know what? I embrace, embrace it. I'm a geek. I embrace it. <laughs> As well, you, you should. have to be, that doesn't mean you have to be, you can be cool, but you know, I just own it. <laughs> As well. You should, you are the absolute best. Lori Knutson, remind folks how they can connect with you and all the different places you are and things like that. Cause people are going to hear this and they're going to want to connect with you. I know they're going to want to connect with you. Tell folks how they can do that. Probably LinkedIn is the best place. Lori Knudsen, K-N-U-D-S-E-N, um, L-O-R-I, forgot to spell that. And, uh, or you can reach me at nobilityconsulting.com and then nobility is spelled K-N-O-W-B-I-L-I-T-Y, consulting.com. And also on Facebook and then Instagram, I'm just Knudsen LA. I don't have a business account yet. And I'm also on Clubhouse, so... You know, Knudsen LA. I love it. Yeah. I, everybody I, thinks, you know, I didn't realize that, but it's like Lori Ann. Cause I'm so creative, you know? Aww. So Knudsen LA. Everybody, everybody thinks I'm from LA. I'm yeah. Like, you didn't, you didn't tell me about the, the, the second branch of nobility consulting that you opened in, in Southern California. Is that. I did live in Southern California for a brief period, but it was more uh, North County, San Diego, not LA. Wow. Lori yeah, Knudsen, find her L-O-R-I-K-N-U-D-S-E-N on LinkedIn. <laughs> yes, I'm stumbling over myself. Nobility That's Consulting, K-N-O-W-B-I-L-I-T-Y Consulting, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G, nobilityconsulting.com. Lori, you are the absolute best. Thank you for joining me on this special edition, the People Buy From People series of the Intentional Encourage podcast. Hi. <laughs>My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.